This is a presentation of Patterson Media. Amplify Canada is an initiative created by Patterson Media designed to celebrate and elevate small businesses, the backbone of our economy. Thousands of small businesses, groups, family organizations, and individuals are showcased on Patterson Media radio stations from Winnipeg to Vancouver throughout the year. Every month, we go deeper and share the incredible journey of a few that have made an impact on their community. Some have flourished, others may need a little extra love and support. These are their stories. Welcome to Amplify Canada. Each episode, we highlight a local musician. I'll introduce you to Scotty Berg at the end of the podcast. You don't have to be alone. You don't have to be alone tonight. On this show... We are in a big global economy. I think a lot of small businesses learned a lot of very powerful lessons that, to a degree, small is the new big. That's futurist Jim Carroll. He'll help anchor the conversation and shed light on where we go from here. And more than ever, they need your support. The vast majority of the people in our country and in our provinces are employed by small businesses, not by big businesses. Small business really is the backbone of our country. That's Daryl Jones, president of Save on Foods, one of the largest grocery chains in the West. He'll talk to us about the importance of small business and the interconnection with big business. The great resignation certainly is prevalent. Everybody has been talking about that great resignation. It can be very damaging. Charlene Massey owns a staffing company, and we'll turn to her to talk about how things are looking for the future of work. Hi there, I'm Linda Freeman, your host for Amplify Canada. In this episode, we mean business, small and big. From a big business perspective to the future of small business to understanding the employee shortage, we need small and big business for our economy to survive. And you as a consumer are part of that survival. The latest report from Statistics Canada states the Canadian economy totaled 1.23 million employer businesses. So out of those, 1.2 million, or 97.9%, were small business. A small business being defined as having 1 to 99 employees. As we shift to an endemic, it is important we understand the need for small businesses and the vital part we, the consumer, play. What role business to business plays and how we need to care what we are buying and from where. We will soon discover how entwined small and large businesses are and how the pandemic has bridged some gaps. Today is actually the first day that we opened and uh, trying the new beginning. This country is built on small businesses. Let's listen to the stories of the relationship between the big and the small, since small is the new big. I know for a lot of us, talking business can be a bit boring, but I have uncovered, as I'll share with you, how important business is to our economy and that it is something we need to be conscious of, especially as we pull out of the roller coaster ride of the past two years. Business in this country needs our help, and we need to make sure we support Canadian businesses. When you think of the future, 
you likely envision the remarkable technologies that you've seen in comic books and films. A question these days we might be thinking a lot about is what does the future look like? It may surprise you to learn what the future could actually hold. So I'd be amiss if I didn't look at connecting with someone who can paint a clear picture of the future. So I'm excited to introduce you to Jim Carroll. He's a futurist. Jim, I'll let you explain what you do. What I really do is I help organizations understand the trends, the real trends, not the crazy science fiction trends, but the real trends that are going to impact them in the near term and the longer term and what they need to do from an innovation and creativity perspective to align to those trends. You think about what is going on. There is so much change. It's coming at us from so many directions. It is so overwhelming. It's so all-encompassing that increasingly it's not legacy, it's not what we've done in the past, not past success that defines our ability to align ourselves to the future. It's speed, it's agility, it's flexibility. The future belongs to those who are fast. And of course, Amplify Canada is focused on small business in this country, and we know it's been hit really hard through COVID. From your perspective, how has life shifted overall through COVID and in the sense of what we're doing differently? And then we'll talk business. I'm actually going into a lot of organizations right now, and I'm talking to them about, think about what happened with COVID. The world got faster. I mean, we were already dealing with fast change. We are now dealing with faster change. I think what we saw was 10 years of change in but six months. For example, in retail, we talked about the need to do e-commerce and curbside pickup and home delivery. And all of a sudden we had to do it right away. We had to do it in six months. What it did in every single industry was it accelerated major trends. It made everything faster. And I think from that, organizations, both large and small, small business and big business, learn something new about the issue of speed. We need to work faster. We need to act faster. We need to make decisions faster. We need to be more flexible in terms of our approach because the business models that we're operating under are changing faster than ever before. We saw a lot of big macro trends. Big manufacturers realized there were opportunities for direct-to-consumer brands. People became more open to new forms of interaction. You think about how quickly we all virtualized and how quickly we adapted to Zoom and other platforms. And how quickly we were willing to do online shopping. So I think what happened is a lot of the barriers to change disappeared. I mean, I've made a living talking to organizations about what they need to do to break through their barriers to change. And all of a sudden, a lot of those barriers just disappeared. I think we learned a lot of lessons, very powerful lessons, that makes for a very new and different economy out on the other side. Thanks, Jim. Later, I'll have Jim delve deeper into the interconnectivity between businesses big and small, and then the link to the consumer. Do you remember your first job? If it was working bagging groceries, like I did, you have that in common with the president of Save on Foods. It was 1976 at the local Overweighty Foods in Cranbrook, British Columbia, where Daryl Jones got his start bagging groceries after school. He worked in 23 communities, learning the ropes of the grocery business. And 34 years later, if I have my math right, yep, I think I do, Daryl became president of Save on Foods in 2012. The pandemic hit and the world was turned upside down, and the demands were high for essential services like grocery stores. In many ways, they were like a security blanket, a place people could go to fill their basic needs and feel cared for. So no pressure there, Daryl. We knew if you stick to the basics, which is making sure you take care of your customers, making sure that they're safe, making sure that your store is not only clean, but has all the protocols that you need during COVID, 
and make sure that as best you can, you make the shopping experience as good as you can make it. The last thing in the world people needed was more stress in their lives because with the pandemic came lots of stress. At the onset, we recognized there was also a really significant need for our e-commerce offering, which was both pickup and delivery. And it took off like we'd never seen it before at the start of the pandemic. For the first week or so, we couldn't keep up. And then slowly we got things back on track. That was quite something. Our business pretty much tripled overnight on the online business. But our bricks and mortar stores remained open and our customers came in that way. We did all we could to offer the customers whatever we could in terms of convenience. So it was an unusual time. I think a lot of people through the pandemic have looked at local a little differently, like shopping a little closer to home and supporting local businesses just a little bit more. You've already supported local growers and producers. So talk about that community connection, like how you have supported other small businesses. Linda, you're 100% right. People intuitively, at least Canadians, intuitively want to support local businesses. And we've been huge supporters of our local businesses for the last 25, 30 years, even, well, probably for the last 100 years, really. We'll have sections that are just local products. Some of them mom, pop, almost make the jam in the bathtub. It's not quite that, but almost that way. And as we went through the pandemic, those products continued to be high on the customers' lists. We knew that it was critically important for us to support the local growers and the local suppliers as we went through COVID, as they were getting particularly hard hit. So it was really, really tough and small businesses. And by the way, I'll say it continues to be tough for small businesses today. And I think they're going to have a tough time probably for the next year or so. And we're going to do all we can to continue to support them, to help them get through, which is going to be a difficult period. We love the local folks. They're so appreciative of us supporting them. And we really encourage our customers every day to come in and look for those local products because the quality is fantastic. And usually the stories behind the people who are making them are even more fantastic. Local is really close to our hearts. And I know it is close to yours as well. I know the radio stations do a lot to support their local communities. I think that's really the heart and soul. It is so important. And I love how you spoke to that and recognize the fact that it's not going to be a quick turnaround for these small businesses. What do we need to do moving forward to ensure the success of small business? As quick as we can, we have to let the people go back in and run their businesses as they've always run them. That to me would be a really big one. The other one I would just tell everybody to make sure that they go into their local store because in many cases they have products that are not part of the challenges that we face with the ports being blocked with containers, a lot of these local small businesses have got the products because they produce them locally or they grow them locally. So they're probably going to be a better place to go anyway today. And more than ever, they need your support because as I'm sure we all know, the vast majority of the people in our country and in our provinces are employed by small businesses, not by big businesses. Small business really is the backbone of our country. And Just to reiterate, I think they're going to have a tough time and we're going to need to support them. Five and a half percent inflation, highest in 31 years. All those things are going to continue to put pressure on small businesses even more 
than on the larger organizations. I think there's never been a more important time to do all we can to get out there and support small businesses. Yeah, it becomes a win-win for both. Supporting the small business, you're only going to get more out of that. And I mean, you're a prime example with raising money and donating it to help community as well. And I think that that's often what businesses do that are doing well within a community. They look for ways to support and give back. Well, you're right, Linda. Every time we go to a community, whether we're new to the community or not, the number one thing that we want to talk about is how we can be part of the community and help the people who are in that community be more successful. If we can provide them with help in some small way or a bigger way, that's what it's all about because we won't be successful if we don't take care of the people who are within our communities. We understand that people have all kinds of options of where to go, all kinds of different places to shop. I think you want to shop with somebody that you can depend upon and somebody who's going to be there when you need it most. A really quick example is that when we had these floods that we felt here in November, there was no way to get food into Hope because the roads were closed and they wouldn't allow any big trucks to go through over a certain weight. So we loaded up 17 e-commerce vans with food and took it into Hope. There was a shortage of drugs, so we flew airplanes into those communities, not just for our stores, but for all the drugstores that needed the products. And you do that because when you've got people in need in your communities, you do whatever it takes, the same as helping your neighbor next door that needs a hand moving a couch. It's a similar thing. Whatever your community needs for you, you want to be able to step up and do the best you can to support them. It was amazing what you did and just showed the strength of community and how important it is to treat each other with kindness and to recognize when there's a need and fill that need and help out as much as you can. So many people, you know, they've lost their jobs. We've talked a little bit about that. They've lost loved ones. They've had to completely pivot into new ways of working, new opportunities, people working from home that aren't used to it. So we've just heard so many hardships that people have faced. Daryl, how have you managed and supported your employees? It's been so difficult. You know, I got to do a call out to our team members because in the height of the COVID problems, Our team members came in in droves. We had very low absenteeism. We doubled down on the support that our store managers were trying to give on, and the department managers tried to give on the people. We also utilized the companies that we used, that they could call in to get specific support from counselors, from psychologists. But there's nothing better than talking to a boss or a fellow teammate that's going through the same things that you are And saying, you know what, I understand. Yeah, I feel terrible. We're going through this. We gave people time off when they had um, sicknesses and, of course, paid. So we did a whole bunch of things, whatever it took to make sure that we took care of our people. Because our people took care of us. They were there to support us and our customers. It was a very difficult time. Linda, I hate to say this, but I think these struggles are going to continue. Even past COVID, people are still have lingering issues and lingering feelings. So I think it's going to be something that's going to take us a while to get behind us. Everybody talks about the normal, the new normal. I think we're away from any semblance of normalness. Can we talk just a little bit about your vision for the future? I know that it's probably a ways away from any back to normal, and let's hope we don't see anything like this for a really long time. But if you look even a couple years out, do you have an idea of what things could look like or what we should be thinking about? It could be a little bit dicey for the next years, but if we look beyond, I am so pro what's possible. I think we live in the greatest country in the world. We have great people in our country, and if we pull together 
the future is very bright for us. You know, one of the things that we've tried to do and what we need to encourage all companies to do is to reinvest, to reinvest in equipment, in new stores, if you're in the retail business, because that increases productivity and productivity is the one thing that lifts all boats, that lifts the economy. You know, I would encourage all companies instead of buying back your stock, spend that money buying new equipment, expanding your businesses so that we can continue to grow this great nation. I think we learned from the COVID that there's a number of things that we should be producing in this country that gets produced in other countries. So I think there's a huge opportunity for us to learn from what happened and for us to come out of this stronger and more focused as a country than ever before. I really believe that we have a huge opportunity to do that. So I'm very optimistic about the future. Daryl, you had such a genuine perspective and outlook. So thank you so much for your time. Well, thank you, Linda. I really enjoyed speaking with you. And hopefully all of the folks out there will do well and stay healthy. And same to you and to all your folks. And just got to keep a smile on their face and keep moving ahead. Don't be afraid. You know I've got your back. I'm here for you. Here for you if you fall. You don't have to be alone. Thanks, Daryl. Some great perspective on business helping business and the important part that the consumer plays. So now back to our futurist. Jim, let's talk about the transaction between business, the importance of business to business in our economy or B2B. It can become a domino effect when we have significant changes like what has been brought on by the pandemic. And what changes are you seeing in the business to business relationship? I think the big issue that everybody is realizing with supply chains and intertwined global economy and this world of volatility that we're in, that we need to work harder, better, and more strategically with our business-to-business relationships. There's a phrase I'm doing quite a bit of talking around it right now. It's called VUCA, volatility, uncertainty, complexity, and ambiguity. And that really defines our future going forward. You know, we really don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. And so we've got to have a leadership culture, whether we're a big business or small business, to to move on a dime, to have resilience, to have redundancy, to quickly be able to shift our plans and our workforce and our technologies. Resilience, I think, is going to be the key word for 2022 and going forward because of VUCA, volatility, uncertainty, complexity, and ambiguity. That's our new reality. A guy like me, I throw at quotes left, right, and center. And One of the ones I'm using a lot is volatility is the new normal. And I think that's a reality. So small business, they've had to change. They've done things differently. Where do you see things for small business in the near future? I think they've become far more powerful than they were before. I think they've realized that they can compete with big organizations. I think they learned a lot about how do we develop technology platforms faster? How do we develop new products faster? How do we interact with the customer in new and different ways? How do we challenge ourselves in terms of where we can get skills? A lot of them discovered what can happen with the freelance economy. The fact that they could have a Zoom call with somebody on the other side of the world and that person could put together for them a very effective brochure at a very low cost because we are in a big global economy. I think a lot of small businesses learned a lot of very powerful lessons that to a degree, small is the new big. The cost to do things, the complexity to do things has changed. And so I think the small business is forever different. Why is that so important for us to be more aware of what we're buying? 
I think the big macro story was a lot of community initiatives. We certainly saw that in the restaurant industry. Look, you know, we're trying to stay afloat. We've had to quickly shift to doing curbside pickup and home delivery. Here's who we are. Here's our story. And we saw the pulling together of a lot of community initiatives and a lot of civic initiatives of let's support our local restaurants. Let's eat local. Let's support local. Let's shop local. Let's be aware of who is out there. And I think it forced a lot of people to really think about that local issue where they wouldn't previously have thought about it before. And I think to a degree, a lot of those relationships, a lot of those brand affinity issues will continue post-pandemic because I think we've discovered something new about our community and something new about ourselves and something new about the people who are around us. And now a big question that a lot of people are talking about is what do you think the future of the workplace will look like? I actually did a radio show where I interviewed a bunch of people on their process of reinventing their careers, their skills, their approach. How do we reinvent with this great resignation? We've been hearing about a great resignation. After lagging since the start of the pandemic, we saw a nice jump in that number of job switchers. It's good to see some of that churn back in the labor market and potentially people kind of getting on with their plans. Throughout the pandemic, there were so many areas of daily life that were put on hold. I've been talking about this at length. I mean, I was talking about it in 2003, not with the question of what do you do for a living, but what do you like to do? So the trend has been around for a long time. We're now seeing it come to life because of the circumstances of the pandemic. I've got a 26 year old and a 20 year old. One works for a big wealth management firm. The other works for, he's a drone pilot with a big commercial real estate firm. They're not gonna go back to the office five days a week. There's not a chance in hell. They've discovered the freedom of working at home. It's massive, it's huge, and it's very, very real. And companies are gonna find it hard to hire the people they need unless they very seriously change their HR policies and staffing policies and all that stuff. According to a new report uh, that I found from the Canadian Federation of Independent Business, the hospitality industry is seeing 65% of businesses unable to fill positions. So Jim, do you think where you actually need people physically in a space for certain hours in a day, is that going to remain a challenge? Extremely challenging. All you have to do is read about Reveal Resorts and everything that is going wrong. Part of this is the fact that for a long time, organizations took that level of staffing and the salaries required for granted. And to a degree, I think the workforce is now saying no. And so we're going to see a lot of inflation in terms of required salary, hourly remuneration. And it's going to be a challenge that will unfold. That's leading to the inflationary pressures in the economy, but that's not simply going to go away. Jim, hold that thought. I'll come back to you to discuss the future of our economy, but I think you nailed it. I want to dive a bit deeper into that staffing issue. It is so concerning to know the struggle with staffing isn't over, even though doors are opening much wider than in the past months. There are a lot of job openings, but it doesn't seem that the labor supply is there. We have the people that want to visit the destination. We need the staff. I mentioned the new report from the Canadian Federation of Independent Business which stated small businesses in Canada are struggling with worsening labor shortages and say offering higher pay isn't doing much to help. The report entitled Labor Shortages Are Back With a Vengeance 
paints a difficult picture for Canada's small businesses. 55% of CFIB's membership complained of not being able to find staff to hire, keep current employees, or get them to work the hours needed. Someone with their finger on the pulse of employees and employers is Charlene Massey. For 25 years, she has been running a staffing company, about staffing, in Calgary, Alberta, and has experienced many ups and downs, but nothing like the pandemic. Staffing is huge for the success of business, Charlene. So what do you think employees are needing these days? The number one thing I'm hearing right now is appreciation. So it's very interesting because it used to be initiative, by the way. Like it was always the employers were looking for people who had initiative and employees were looking for somewhere to grow. Now it's changed. What the employees are looking for is they are looking for appreciation in whatever it is that they bring to the table. And that is across the board from all levels of employment, all types of jobs, industrial, office, corporate, doesn't matter. Everybody wants to feel appreciated. And that is a big problem. I'm hearing it from everyone. They don't feel appreciated. And I find that so interesting right now because you would think that the employers would have been offering appreciation to the people that stayed. But the employers are feeling like, I'm done. I'm fed up. The employers are exhausted. They don't have it in them to offer a thank you. And I think that's why they're getting frustrated with, well, I don't know why this person's leaving when I kept them through the whole pandemic. Well, you know what? It doesn't matter if they kept them or not. If there's no appreciation there, they're going to go. And from a business perspective... There has to be some benefit to have employees working from home. So do you think companies will support that balance? There's been so much talk about the hybrid situation, the work from home options, or the inability to offer that to an employee. I think that is going to come to a head somewhere because the cost to operate a business in a location, obviously, is very high. And so some businesses are trying to cut costs by not having to pay the high rents. Absolutely. But, you know, working really gives people a purpose and a social outlet too, a place to learn and grow ideas and collaboration, friendships. And so I think there is going to have to be something that's going to have to work out with the businesses that is going to allow for that in some way. So whether the businesses do end up with some sort of hybrid, I think work from home full-time, I think that's going to have to sort of go away unless there is some way to bring the people together. The latest study from Statistics Canada showed the COVID-19 pandemic has led to a significant increase in telework since mid-March 2020. So that's the working from home component. At the beginning of 2021, 32% of Canadian employees aged 15 to 69 worked most of their hours from home compared with only, get this, 4% in 2016. And when asked about returning to the office, new teleworkers were asked the degree to which they would prefer working from home once the COVID-19 pandemic was over. And 80% indicated that they would like to continue to work at least half of their hours from home. Now, a big piece that is missing here, though, Charlene, You just mentioned it, that social component. 
We are social creatures, so business, big or small, has to see the importance of providing that to employees. The collaboration is missing. The friendships are missing. You can't do that just online. So I think that there's going to have to be some social way to get people together, whether it's creating some social outlet within the work environments or a hybrid of some sort. But the social piece has to be there. The collaboration and learning and friendships. If there's nowhere for these people to do that, and work really is a very important part of people's lives. It's money, sure, put food on the table, but it's so much more than that. People have been stuck in their houses for two years, and maybe they work online, and maybe they don't. There's nowhere for them to meet other people. And we are social beings. So it's got to change in that way or we're going to have a very serious problem. In April of 2020, a month into the first shutdown, the employment rate hit a 50-year low at 52%, according to Stats Canada. Now, near the end of 2021 and through the first part of 2022, we've seen the employment rate climb back around that 60% mark. There are jobs out there, but filling them seems to be a bit of a problem. Restaurateurs say hiring is one of their biggest challenges. We're fighting for the same cook, the same bartender. I even have some of my staff saying they're getting messages from other restaurants to go work there. And our people are also asking for a bit more money. Charlene, what are you seeing when it comes to overall job opportunities? There are people that, of course, are being transitioned out, layoffs. But those people, if they've been laid off and they're motivated to find something new, they will find something else. There definitely are jobs coming through the door. Lots of them every day. There are tons of jobs available. And what about the talk around this great resignation? How's that affecting the staffing industry? The great resignation certainly is prevalent. Everybody has been talking about that great resignation. It can be very damaging. We knew it was coming. We can always see it. We can see way ahead when there's been some sort of hit to the employment market or boom. And so we saw this kind of happening because people were getting tired. They want to do things the way that they want to do things. There are generational considerations, age considerations as well, you know, people choosing to retire early. But the most important thing is that if the employers were really good to their people and really created a place of security and ethics and safety, then those employers really didn't have to worry so much about the great resignation. So with everything you've seen and experienced since you are a small business owner in the business-to-business sector, how are you feeling? 2020 was difficult, but I knew it was going to turn. And I knew once all these people resigned and left their jobs, it would create some massive openings and that we needed to be ready to fill those openings as quickly as possible. So that's the direction that we headed instead and started working toward being able to fill the roles that are coming our way this year. So it's taken us a bit of time, but we're there now. It's very busy. Charlene, thank you for your insight and perspective. Before we end our look at where we are with business in this country, I'm coming back to you, Jim. As a futurist, I would like you to wrap up with the question of the future of our economy and what does that look like? When I get on stage in front of an audience, one of the things I explain to them is, 
I'm going to talk to you about your future and I'm going to talk about opportunity and I want you to think about one phrase. Some people see the future and see a threat. Innovators see the same future and see an opportunity. And I bill myself as an optimistic futurist. I can't walk out in front of my audiences and say, guess what, your future sucks because I wouldn't get a lot of repeat business. I think we always have to focus on the upside. The future trends the speed of change, it's always scary to people. And I know that, I see it in my audiences, I see that in the feedback I get. I think we need to turn that fear around and turn it into opportunity. I think every single small business has learned incredibly powerful lessons through this thing. They might not really know what they are, we'll tell you what they are, and learn how to capitalize on that and learn how to turn it into opportunity. The phrase I leave everyone with is, here's our reality. We're now in a situation in which change is occurring so quickly that there are companies that do not yet exist that will build products not yet conceived, using materials not yet invented, with methodologies not yet in existence. That's a reality, that could be you. You could be the small business right there, right now, in your garage working on the next billion dollar idea, why not? The future is wide open and you have to be an optimist, you have to be optimistic be a part of it. I'm going to keep my fingers crossed. I'm one of those people in the garage coming up with the next big thing, Jim. There you go. That's fantastic. What a comprehensive look at the importance of business in this country and the key role we as a consumer play as a community and even as an employee. Thank you, Daryl, Jim, and Charlene for your stories and perspectives on how business, big and small, work together and the important role we all play. Thank you for showing us how we can help business thrive again in this country. There is a big or small business out there just waiting for us to explore. And thank you to all the people in our communities who nominated them for Amplify Canada. Each episode of Amplify Canada, we introduce a local musician whose song you've heard throughout the podcast. Music is big business in this country. Independent artists can be looked at as small businesses that feed the big business of music. A report released in December of 2020 by the Canadian independent music industry outlines the devastating impact of COVID-19 and indicated that the Canadian independent music industry had seen a revenue drop of $233 million since the start of the pandemic, with a 79% income drop from 2019 in the live sector. It is estimated that the industry will not recover to pre-COVID levels until at least 2023. But that is not stopping the creative, entrepreneurial, spirited musicians across this country. Today, we stop in Kelowna, British Columbia to connect with 14-year-old singer-songwriter Scotty Berg. Scotty, how at such a young age did you decide this was your passion? Yeah, you know, singing has always been in my blood ever since I was about two. My parents said I used to sing Happy Birthday, Oh Canada, all around my house and do gigs on social media. And I'm not going to lie, I was camera shy for the first three years. But as they kept asking and as I got more mature and more comfortable behind the camera, at around the age of nine, I went into vocal lessons, started going on Instagram and yeah, started from there. What is the ultimate dream for you? I hope to go like worldwide and do world tour and get a big record label, but you can only hope so big and yeah, 
I hope to do that. Now, I have to ask you, like, how, like, you're 14. Are you able to find that balance between school, friends, and music? You know, I can hang out with my friends at lunch during school. And when I don't have a singing gig, like, the night I could just have a sleepover with them. But I think music is my number one priority for me to have my most fun. It's kind of hard to navigate being a musician and struggling with schoolwork. But I'm not going to lie, I slack a little bit with being a musician and doing school. But my parents are both educators, so they're always hounding on me to do my schoolwork. So I get that done, and then I get to have my fun being a musician. What's the process that you go through when writing a song? Well, I kind of think what has gone on in my day-to-day life. What have I seen that people are going through, or what am I going through? And I kind of just build in it from there. It's not a day song. It's kind of like a week song that I just keep like jotting notes on how it is. And then I get these massive notes and then I just write a song about it. I'm always intrigued about the songwriting because it takes such a creative mind and a connection. Talk about your latest song. My song is about anti-bullying and knowing if you know a friend or know someone that is hurting or anything, know that there's always someone to lean on and you don't have to be alone. In middle school, it's kind of tough because you kind of normalize the idea of bullying because it always happens all the time because people think they're cooler than other people. So it's kind of tough to see that. So it's not just at school, it's worldwide. So I'm not just speaking about my experiences, I'm speaking about everybody. So this is something you're passionate about, putting your own feelings, your own experience into a song. I just think if I can channel something that I'm good at and something that inspires me and stuff that I could do to help people and my perspective, I think that's really powerful. I hope that it helps people. It does, Scotty. Keep that dream alive and all the best to you. I look forward to seeing you in maybe like 10 years and I could say I knew him when. Now listen up and enjoy. You don't have to be alone. You're too pretty to wake up like this. And I'm too lucky not to get my wish And your broken heart, yeah, I can't fix I'm here for you, here for you if you fall When you let, let, love somebody Just let, let, let them know If you feel like you're lost, then don't You don't have to be Said. No, you don't deserve to hurt like that Don't be afraid, you know I've got your back I'm here for you, here for you if you fall You don't have to be You fall. You don't have to be alone. 
That was You Don't Have to Be Alone by Scotty Berg. You can find him at scottyberg.ca and on YouTube and Spotify. You've been listening to Amplify Canada, an initiative created by Patterson Media designed to celebrate and elevate small businesses, the backbone of our communities. For more information on this program, go to pattersonmedia.com. This is a presentation of Patterson Media.